You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well and pray this finds you at peace today as we get ready to get in the Word. It's always a privilege and an honor to be together, and we want to welcome you. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to especially welcome you uh, also. We thank you all for <clears throat> being here each week, and, and today is, is just as special for me and, and uh, to have each one here. So we're certainly glad to have you and uh, pray that you'll be blessed uh, with our time together today as we uh, jump into uh, the Word of God. And that's what we that's what we want to be about. That's uh, that's what this channel is about, is, in, is encouraging one another uh, to do the work of the ministry. And um, and so that I encourage you today to, um, to just uh, hear what the Lord has to say, because I think we're going to be dealing with a topic that every single one of us um, has to deal with on a regular basis. And we have to consistently... Um, exercise self-control over our lives because we all deal with the area of pride. And today we're going to continue our sixth week uh, in the topic of family. And today uh, we're dealing with the last letter of the letter family, which is why, and we, we've entitled it yielding um, to pride. And so um I think it's a topic that it will certainly be uh, relevant to each one of us, and I pray you'll be encouraged by it. So let's pray, and we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you for uh, just the privilege you have blessed us with to gather today. We thank you for your word and its power, and we pray that you, Lord, would uh, use your word to impact our hearts, our lives, and encourage us as we walk through a crazy and chaotic world when so many have lost their focus and they have put their emphasis and their times and their talents and their resources on the temporal things of this world. So help us to stay focused on what it is you have called us to do in your word. Help us to be reminded, God, that we are simply sojourners in a foreign land. This is not our home, that we are future residents of the kingdom of God. And Lord, we are not here um, as residents of this world, but we're here to uh, reach others and make them as well residents of the kingdom of God. Help us to keep focused, and today specifically, Lord, help us to focus in on our own pride. Lord, we know that pride arises in the hearts of people, and and we focus on ourselves so many times and our own desires and we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. So, Lord, I pray today that your word would challenge us to uh, know who we really are in Christ and who God is and who we are not. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, impact us and that you would speak to us through your living and active word, for that is how you speak today. And so, God, we ask that you have your way in us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been six weeks now in our study on the family. We've been looking at family as an acrostic poem, so to speak, and each letter of the word family we've broken down. F, we talked about fellowship. 
beginning with the family of God. And we talked about the Greek word koinonia, meaning to have fellowship. And that fellowship, the connectivity, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we talked about the time that we need to be together with those who are equally yoked, those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And thus we're here together this morning, though we're not face-to-face, though you're not sitting in front of me in a classroom or in a sanctuary. You're sitting wherever you are this morning. We are together, and we are spending time in the Word and encouraging the saints for the work of the ministry. And then A, the letter A in family, we talked about affirmation, and we talked about the need to be more affirming and to lift one another up more often. And so we talked about how husbands should affirm their wives and wives and how they ought to affirm their husbands and parents and how they ought to affirm their children and uh, pastors, how they ought to affirm their congregations and congregations and how they ought to affirm their pastors, etc. We need to be lifting each other up more often as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we not only looked at F and A, we looked at M, morality. And, and we here we discussed our need for the family of God to be more moral. We need to have a higher level of morality as a body of Christ. Why? Because He lives in us. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in us. Many of you may have seen my, uh, my silly little photo that, it's not a rhino, but a sino or kino or sino, Christian in name only. Guys, we are living in a day when everybody claims to be a Christian, but their mouth spews poison. Their actions do not match their testimony. So we have to have a high level of discernment. Not that you will be perfect. Don't misunderstand me. But we have accepted immorality in the Christian community. We need to be moral because Christ was crucified, paid for our sins, past, present, and future. And he has given us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. And there is a high level of expectation that God has for his church that we should walk in holiness. For Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, without holiness, no one will see the kingdom of God. So if there is no change in your life, there's only intellectual head knowledge and no heart change. You just have information, not transformation. It's one thing to know about the plan of salvation and have it down every word. Yeah, I know this and I know that. There's one thing to know the plan of salvation, but it is not about knowing the plan. It's about knowing the man personally. And when you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you will live a life that honors God. And when you don't, you will feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you will repent. I have to do it every day. But we cannot accept immorality as a body of Christ. You know, there's people, and, and listen, you guys need to be really careful what you post, 
Because when you post something like a, I, I listened to a rap video and the guy was claiming to be a Christian and I had never heard the F bomb more than I heard in his, in his rap song. And he's claiming to be a Christian. Now I'm not talking about Stu Peters and his past relationship, uh, who he was before he was in Christ. Uh, ain't you glad God doesn't go back? No, he cast your sin as far as the East is from the West. We all have a past, but Hey, if the enemy wants to dig up that past, let him dig it up. It's okay. I'm proud of, of who I've become in Christ. I'm proud of what God has delivered in my life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the now. Uh, we have too many embracing the now sin, and we are promoting it because it's political. Listen, I don't care if it's political or not. If it ain't biblical, you ought not affirm it. And so we need to have an, a, a moral standard in the body of Christ. And we have de delegated that outside and we've called it legalism and, and we embrace sin and we call it good and God calls it evil. Listen, what God calls evil is always evil, will always be evil. Doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what I say. Doesn't matter what you say. What matters is that the word of God says what it says. And so if you're with somebody and they're constantly dropping the F-bombs and all the other foul language. Listen, what's in you is going to come out, my friend. And again, this is a sanctification process, but we need to hold one another accountable. If you start hearing me drop the F-bomb, you better start calling me out. Message me. Dude, what are you thinking? Of course, you prayerfully will never hear that. If you do, something's wrong with my brain. But nevertheless, we need to make sure that we have morality in our family because morality affects us. It's not that it saves us. It affects us. And not only does it affect us, it affects the future generations. Because what they see you do, they think is okay. Why? Well, she's a Christian. He's a Christian. Must be okay to speak that way, to dishonor somebody, to mock their name, to manipulate them. Right? We need to have morality. Then we looked at the letter I, interest. We, we, we in the family of God need to be more interested specifically in the Word of God. Because if we had more interest in the Word of God than we do everything else in this life, we would all be great students of the Word of God. We need to be interested in the very living and active Word of God. Some of us are more interested in signs and wonders and miracles and goosies and vibrations and equilibriums or whatever you want to call it. What we need to be interested in, my friends, is the Word of God. The Word of God. What we need to do is decode the Word of God. Let the Spirit of God speak to us and through us through His living and active Word. We need to become more interested in the things of God than the things of this world because the things in this world will pass away. We are to be in this world, but not of this world. And many of us are so wrapped up in the political arena that we can't even think about the biblical arena. And then we've we've twisted the two together and we've made the interest as as is as if the political is more important than the biblical. Listen, the the, the political is an overflow of the biblical. And thus, we have to keep it in the proper perspective. Our interest should be the Word of God. The Word of God is what changes lives. It's what transforms hearts. It's what brings about repentance. And repentance is what brings about changes in nations. So we need to be interested in the Word of God in our family, in the body of Christ. 
And then last week, we looked at leadership, L, leadership. And we talked about the roles of leaders, the qualifications of leaders in the family of God, specifically, not only that, but also in the home. What are our roles as men? As men are called to be men, it's time we step up, men, fulfill our leadership roles and start leading our families well to the glory of God. So today, we're going to deal with the last letter of family, and that is why. Yielding, yielding, and specifically to pride. So today, we're going to be taking a look into a life of a man, and a young man by the name of King Uzziah, um, a man that seems to walk in the way of the Lord and accomplish much for the kingdom of God. We will see that God gives this young man great success and brought about a powerful work in him and through him for his glory. There are really three things that I want us to, to see is that, that takes place in our passage of Scripture today as we look at this text. It's a fairly long text, but three things I want you to see this morning, and that is, number one, we see that God rewarded this man, Uzziah. Secondly, that God revealed to this man, Uzziah. And then lastly, God rebuked this man, Uzziah. Let's read the text. Second Chronicles. If you have your Bibles, turn over there. And uh, you know what? I, I am I am not, I'm not going to read. Let's read. I'll read the whole thing. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 26. And, and all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. And his mother was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. He went out and warred against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jebna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the area of Ashdod who lived in Gubal and the Minyanites and the Amorites who also gave tribute to Uzziah. And his fame extended to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem and at the corner gates, and at the valley gate, and the corner buttress, and fortified them. He built towers in the wilderness, and huge cisterns, many of them, for he had much livestock, both in lowland and in the plains. He also had plowmen, and vine dressers, vine dressers in the hill country, and fertile fields, for he, was, he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army ready for battle. He entered combat by divisions, according to the number of their muster, prepared Jeliah and, and the scribe and Manasseh, uh, Messiah, the official, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officers. 
The total number of heads of the households of valiant warriors was 2,600. Under their direction was an elite army of 307,500 who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemy. Moreover, Uzziah prepared for all the armies, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, sling stones. In Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence, his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God, for he had entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar. Then Azariah the priest entered after him with 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. They opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense, get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord God. But Uzziah, with the censer in his hand for burning incense, was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priest, the leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. As Uriah, the chief priest of all the priests, looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead. They hurried him out of there, and he himself also hasted to get out because the Lord had smitten him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. He lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. I think looking here this morning at the underlying context will give us great insight to the family of Uzziah. The previous kings that had served, now you have Joash. This man was the grandfather of Uzziah. He was seven years old when he was given the kingdom. And it says that he did right in the eyes of all the days of Jehoiada the priest. He was father figure, so to speak. And as long as Jehoiada, you could say, mentioned or mentored, it says that he did well. But the day had come when Jehoiada had reached a ripe old age and that he passed away. And we're told that after that, everything fell apart quickly. The people came to King Joash and spoke to him about worshiping other gods, and they abandoned the house of the Lord, and they served the ashram and their idols. And this king then ends up murdering the son of Jehoiada, the priest, Zechariah. 
because the Lord told him to speak to Joash and to tell him, because you have forsaken the Lord, he's forsaken you. Joash forgets the kindness of his dear friend Jehoiada the priest, and Joash has him stoned to death. Listen, that's the grandfather. Now, dad, which is Amaziah, takes over after Joash. The king is killed by his own people because of what he just did to Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest. You would think that his son may end up better and learn from the failures of his father. And Messiah, it says, does what's right in the eyes of the Lord, but not with his whole heart. God blessed Amaziah, gave him victory over the Edomites, but after the destruction, the slaughter, he brought gods back, lowercase g gods. He brought them back, and, and, and it says that they worshipped them. Now, that ought to make us stop for a minute and realize there is but one God who is worthy of our honor, our glory, and our praise, and our worship. And it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It isn't the little g gods of this world that we replace God with. That's idolatry. So God gave him until we see him fail. And then he was told by a prophet, uh, because of his actions, that that God had planned to destroy him. Now imagine that for a minute here. You're a leader, and a prophet comes to you, and, and he tells you that the God of the Bible says that he is going to destroy you. That ought to discourage you a little bit. You would think that you would fall on your knees and repent, wouldn't you? But instead of repenting and turning back to God, we see a man turn proud and boastful. He calls for a battle, and the king of Israel calls him out. Your pride will get you killed. And in chapter 25, it tells us that Judah and its king was defeated, and King Amaziah was captured. And all of the gold and the silver was taken from the house of the Lord. And that brings us up to chapter 26 to our text today. And the first thing I want us to see this morning is we see God rewarded this young king, Uzziah. People were now looking for a king, right? Father had passed away, and and at the age of 16, King Uzziah is declared king of Judah. Right away, we see that the king Uzziah um, begins to do great things in Judah. Boy, a completely different time frame, isn't it? What 16-year-olds did then and what they do now. It says that he built Eloth and restored it to Judah. Eloth was a port city, so to speak, that gave access to uh, marine businesses to the, the east. 
So it was an important place. Solomon in chapter 8, uh, 17 and 18, we see takes and subdues this port city. But under a revolt of Jerome in and, and 21, 8 to 10, revolted from the rule of Judah and set there its own kings. And here we see King Uzziah doing something great, giving back this port city to the people of Judah. So he's acting well, he's doing great things, and God is blessing him. Verse 4 tells us, He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father did. It says that he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah. As long as he sought the Lord, God would prosper him. Now, I can't help but think of the grandfather here. If you recall, granddad had a priest, Jehoiada, that watched over him, took care of him, shepherded him, encouraged him, challenged him. And, and, and he watched over this man. And it said the same thing. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. I wonder if what we see is a continuation, ultimately, of sin handed down from generation to generation. I mean, we know that the sins of that we commit are can be handed down from generation to the third generation. Listen, our sin never simply affects us. It affects everybody around us. And the scary part is, is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what we, I think, are going to see unfold in the life of this man is a continuation of sin handed down from grandfather to father to son. Many times as a dad, I, do I think what I do in my life will affect my grandchildren? The things you do in your life, have you considered the effect they will have on your children and their children and their children's children? That's what we see right here. Like father, like son. Like grandfather, like grandson. And as, young, as a young man, as a young father, personally, I wanted to break that idea. Uh, I wanted to be a dad that raised my kids in a way that honored God. Because I want my kids to walk in the ways of the Lord. So the things I do, the things I say, and the things I watch, and the things I approve will affect my children. Too many times we do things, and we fail to realize the effect they have on our very own children, which will affect their children and their children's children. So in the midst of what's going on here, let us not miss that nugget. Exodus 34, 6 and 7, the Lord says, it says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Lord, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundance of goodness and truth. Keep mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sins. And that will by no means clear the guilty, 
visiting the iniquities of their fathers upon their children and upon their children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. I see that happening in our text, a repeat of what's going on. Obedience to the Lord, giving divine blessing, but disobedience to the Lord, giving judgment. I, I want to see Uzziah. I want to make sure that we remain faithful, continue strong, that we as parents, that we as family members don't fall into what dad and grandpa did, but rather see a changed life, continuing to walk in the ways, in the admonition of the Lord. And what we see happening right here is God rewarding Uzziah because of his obedience. And everything looks good, and he is rewarding him. He's giving him victories in war. Verse 6 says, Now he went out and waged war against the Philistines, broke down the walls of Gath and the walls of Jephna and the walls of Ashdod, and he built cities in the area of Ashdod among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gabal and the Mennonites. And it says in verse 8, he became very strong. Listen, we should obey God because we love Him, and we desire to please Him. And when you fail, my friend, you must repent. You must realize your wrongdoing. Admit it to a God who already knows, and ask Him for forgiveness. Nevertheless, God expects His children to obey Him because we are his children. We have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if Jesus is living in you and through you, then you ought to act like it. You ought to talk like it. You ought to live your life as Christ is living through you. And when you fail and you live in the flesh and not in the Spirit, you must repent of your sins. 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins, and he is faithful to forgive, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I don't know who listening this morning is walking in habitual sin because, boy, we have a confused world who doesn't know the difference between righteous and unrighteous. We have called evil good and good evil. But you know in the very depth of your soul if what you are doing is a habitual sin, and my encouragement to you is don't be prideful. Yield to righteousness. Not be yielding to pride and repent. We should obey God because we desire to please Him. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. In 1 John 5, 3, this is love that we keep His commandments. Does your testimony match your walk? Because it's easy to say you're a Christian, 
It's easy to have an intellectual knowledge about Jesus. But a true born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, a child of God, an heir of Christ, will repent when they sin. And they will seek God's forgiveness because he has provided a way of escape. There is no temptation, my friend, that has overtaken you, but that which is common to man and God will provide a way of escape. But I wonder who today loves their sin. They like the darkness more than they like the light. We need to repent, my friends. God blesses those who keep his commandments. We should obey God because we want to be vessels for honorable use and have an increased in effectiveness in the work of the kingdom of God. If we are not living lives that honor God, what are we expecting from the world? Second Timothy 2, 20 to 21 says, now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. You see, this young king is being at this point in his life a vessel of honorable use. And the, and the, and the God of this world is rewarding him because he is being faithful. He is giving him victories. In verse 10, we see that he is that he's built towers and cut cisterns. He, verse 11, he, he has multitudes of armies. In verse 14, he's made shields and spears and helmets and coats and bows and stones for slings. We know that Uzziah was great at a lot of things, and that's good. And I believe that there are many listening to the sound of my voice who are great at something. What is it that you are great at? Maybe it's preaching, teaching, sports. Maybe you're a great worker. Maybe you're a great giver. Maybe you're a great server. Maybe you're a great technician, a computer guru, whatever it is that you are good at. How do you think it was that Uzziah became great at those things that God had blessed him with? Verse 5 says, And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. It was God that was doing these things in his life. And let me remind you, anything that you are good at, anything that you are talented at, it's because God has made you that way. And God has made you that way for His glory. Not for your glory. Not for your pride. Not so that you can tell the world how good you are. It's because God wants you to be a vessel, a vessel for honorable use. And in verse 15, hence, his fame spread afar. For he was marvelously helped until he was strong. 
Don't miss that it says until he was strong. What is it that you have become great at? What is it that you have become strong at, good at, amazing at? Be careful, because when you reach the pinnacle, there will be a great temptation to boast in what you have. We see that God rewarded Uzziah. But secondly, we see that God revealed to Uzziah. Uzziah wasn't a weak king. He wasn't some little boy that had failed like so many other kings. He wasn't a king that was easily swayed like Jehoshaphat. He wasn't a king that would build an alliance with Israel. He was a strong king. And God made him strong, and he became very strong. But like so many strong leaders, his power, his authority, his ability, his, his, his advancement made him headstrong. And nothing, nothing that he, at this point, could do was accomplished with the wrong attitude. Listen, if you were sitting there today thinking of someone else, rather than yourself, you need to look in the mirror. Because God has blessed many of you today. Many of you have become strong, and your pride has overtaken you. And with that attitude, I can do nothing wrong mentality, you will sink to the depths until God restores your soul. Verse 16 says, but when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar. I can see him now bold, walking in there through that temple. You can hear his footsteps trotting into that place of holiness, trying to be something he wasn't, because in his mind he was something special. But he was out of line. Numbers 16, verse 40, as a reminder to the sons of Israel that no layman who is not of the descendants of Aaron should come near to burn incense before the Lord so that he would not become like Korah and his company, just as the Lord had spoken to him through Moses. It was his ability. It was his strength. It was his authority. It was his power that made his sin invisible to himself. Let me remind you today, my friends, that the powerful 
have become prideful. And in their pride, their arrogance, their sin has become invisible to them, but everybody else can see it. And God is about to reveal Uzziah's pride in his sin because that's what God does. Pride comes before the fall. What is it in your life that makes your pride invisible to you? Listen, it's destructive. Pride comes before the fall. The fall will take place. If you are truly born again from above and you have developed a life of pride, God will deal with you and you will fall. And you will either repent or reject. And if you reject, it's proof that you are never of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of the power and all of the fame and all of the fortune will have been in vain when you are aware that you were never truly born again. Pride is ugly. Pride is disastrous. Oh, God, make me a man of God that is not blind to my own pride. God, make me a man that is not blind to my own sin, my immaturity, my boastfulness, my arrogance. God, show me, reveal in my heart any iniquity that may cause me to fall and be humbled. We ought to all be praying the same thing. Uzziah, he's walking through the temple. And it tells us that Azariah follows behind him with 80 other valiant priests. You can hear the footsteps. Of the 80 people coming in behind him, I'm sure. And as he reaches out and readies himself in his pride and in his disobedience to God's ways, as he reaches out to burn the incense in the temple of the Lord, these men confront him. I can't help. But think of another man that stepped out of his bounds when he sacrificed the offering instead of waiting on the priest. Saul, King Saul. In 1 Samuel, so Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. He wasn't the priest wasn't his job. These men call out Uzziah. It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn the incense to the Lord, but for the priest, the sons of Aaron who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary. 
For you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord God. Disgrace, which is the opposite of honor. King Uzziah was disgraced, which often happens as the result of trying to honor one's self. I don't know who is out there and who's even made it to this point in the message, but hear me clearly. When God points out your sin, when God shows you you have disgraced Him because you have tried to honor yourself, you will have two options. You can repent or you can fall into pride. Uzziah falls into pride. It was blinded him. His pride he could not see. He could not even acknowledge the fact that he had dishonored God because his brain was so filled with pride that he was absolutely blind. And now the only solution was disgrace. Oh, the warning today is that if you hold your pride, you will fall into disgrace. Just like King Asa, just like his granddaddy Joash, Uzziah was enraged by the rebuke. Listen, the prideful man never likes to be rebuked. The prideful man never likes for anyone to point out their sin. They are always right, and everybody else is always wrong. Beware of somebody who in your life and in their life is always right, and everybody else is wrong. Listen, nobody is always right, my friend. And the devil will puff you up to make you think what you are doing is righteous when it is very, very unrighteous. The things you say, the words you speak, the dishonor you give to the people around you, the anger that boils up in your soul and permeates your mouth and cuts the hearts of those around you is wickedness, my friend, and it is pride. And if you need not repent, God will cause you to fall and bring down your kingdom because there is one king, and that is God Almighty, and he will not stand for another. God. There is but one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And how dare you think that you can just go in prideful and burn the incense on the altar of God. He has made him both God and Christ of all. You are nothing in the face of Almighty God, and God will bring you down off of your altar and replace you with somebody who will be gentle and humble in spirit, and will not relent against repentance. Uzziah was angered by the rebuke. He didn't like the admonishment 
that the priest had given him. And in verse 19, But Uzziah, with a censer in his right hand, burning incense, was enraged. Beware of people who become enraged when they are told they are wrong. And listen to me very clearly. If you are the one enraged because you are wrong, watch out. Because while the text says he was enraged with the priest, the leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest and the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. Instead of taking the responsibility of his actions in repenting to the Lord, he became bitter and pride took control of him. Listen, I don't know who's listening today, but you need to hear it because pride is your God and pride is your leader and pride is taking you into the depths of Sheol and will cause you great fall. You need to repent, turn back to God because you will fall. You will think more highly of yourselves than you ought to think when you ought to repent. Admit your sin first to God and to the people you have destroyed. God revealed this man's pride through the priest, and he rejected and he became angry. We see first that God rewarded Uzziah. Oh, it started out good. We see that God revealed to Uzziah his pride. There's a blessing, my friend, in being told of our sin. There is a blessing when done in an honorable way that we go to that brother and that sister, tell them they are walking in sin. There's a blessing in our pride being revealed. The curse is when you respond poorly. Last and final point is that we see God rebuked Josiah. As Uriah, verse 20, the chief priest and all of the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead, and they hurried him out of there. And he himself also hastened to get out of there because the Lord had smitten him. Oh, all of a sudden, he realized he had a problem. I wonder what would have happened if he would have said, guys, you're right, I'm wrong, and he would have left. Uzziah is our example of what not to do when God reveals pride to us in our lives. And he will reveal your pride through the people who love you, but we must be willing to admit it. God rebuked 
Uzziah because he failed to the sin of pride. He yielded to pride. Listen, pride can cause you to be untouchable and judgmental. Pride is the most serious and the most subtle sin, and it often is not even recognized as existing. Pride causes people to go on their way instead of God's way. Pride makes you think you do not need God's advice or God's help. Pride tells you it's somebody else's fault, not mine. Be wary of those who say, I am right and everybody else is wrong. If you find yourself defending yourself, watch out for pride. If the first thing off of your lips is not my fault, it's your fault, you, my friend, are enraged with pride. A proud person thinks they should do things their way. A know-it-all kind of attitude. You know, the people who won't shut their mouths and listen. The ones who always interrupt, jump in with their opinions and their thoughts and their, their ideas, and everybody else shut up and submit to my voice kind of attitude. So what can cause this prideful lifestyle? Well, listen to me. It can be things such as beauty for you ladies, for you men. It can be intellect. You could have a sharp mind. And you've began to think more highly of your thinking than anybody else has. It can be your talent. Maybe you're an amazing athlete. <laughs> Maybe you're a, an amazing student. Pride can well up because of your talent, my friend. Knowledge puffs up. Maybe pride can come because of inexperience. You're embarrassed. You don't know. And so instead of saying you don't know, you act like you know what you don't know. That's pride. Could be your prosperity or successful accomplishments. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've done. And therefore, because I've done A, B, and C, I deserve this platform. What you deserve is hell. Every single one of us deserve the pure flaming wrath and justice of Almighty God. On and on and on. What happened to Uzziah? Where did his rebuke lead? Verse 21 says, King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Listen very closely. Pride will keep you most importantly, my friend from the kingdom of God, if you say that you have no sin, then you've deceived yourself and the truth is not in you. You must not say, I don't need God. I'm okay. 
I've lived a good life. Pride says, I don't need God. The Bible says you need him lest you end up like Uzziah. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. Pride says you can make it to heaven in your own ability, in your own strength. You don't need Jesus. Come down off that cross. I just need to be good, good enough. But listen, my friend, the Bible is very clear. Salvation is not an effort of your deeds and works done in righteousness, but rather because of the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. If salvation could come by keeping the law, then Jesus died needlessly. And I tell you the truth, he didn't. He died sufficiently, willingly, and obediently in your place as your substitute. And if you fail to believe and trust in Jesus Christ today, and you die, listen, you will be cut off from the house of the Lord. And one day it will be too late. When Christ comes or you go there, it really makes no difference. You will stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you, if you are found prideful, trusting in yourself and, and, and or in man, not in Christ as your Redeemer, as your substitute, he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. You will be cut off and it will be too late. Are you prideful? Or are you humble? Matthew 18, 3, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of God. The granddaddy started well, finished poorly. The dad started well and finished poorly. The son started well, and finished poorly. Why? Because they yielded to pride. It's not a matter, my friend, of how well you start, but how you finished. The call today is to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't let your pride keep you from heaven. Repent, believe the gospel, and be saved. Father, we thank you for this day, for your truth, for your word, for your encouragement. And we ask you bless each one here, that you draw them to yourself, and that they, out of your grace and your mercy, would repent and turn back to you, that they might be usable vessels for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.